The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, today our show is about Privacy for Humans, and that's the book that I just read called Privacy for Humans. And we are going to be speaking with a privacy guru, and let me tell you a little bit about this wonderful woman coming to us from San Francisco. Her name is Alexandra Ross, and she is the founder of the Privacy Guru she is also Senior Global Privacy and Data Security Counsel at Autodesk, Inc., which is a leader in 3D design, engineering, and entertainment software. What fun, huh? Previously, she was Senior Counsel at Paragon Legal and Associate General Counsel for Walmart stores. She's a Certified Information Privacy Professional. That's CIPP US and Europe. And Oh, she has all these designations. And she practices in beautiful San Francisco, California. She holds a law degree from Hastings College of Law and a BS in theater from Northwestern University in Chicago. So that is really fun. And I am just uh, excited because she has launched the Privacy Guru blog in January of 2014, which facilitates a safe, engaging space for people of all walks of life to learn about privacy and security. And her mission is to demystify demystify complex privacy issues and help us all to be really mindful about the privacy choices that we make and and be those you know to be congruent with our values she has this wonderful ebook that i just read called privacy for humans and it's available on amazon and itunes and she um, she's a guide for technology. This is a guide for technology lovers, and it's very simple to read. Lots of, um, you, you know, pictures and ways to really understand this and the contest. She's got privacy awareness, privacy and security fundamentals, privacy practices, mindful use of technology being private is okay, which sometimes we think it's dead in this world, Um, and just reinforcing your online life and having some privacy for it. So she is a writer and a speaker, and she brings that unique uh, blend from her theater uh, studies and her privacy and her legal background. So we're just excited to have Alexandra join us. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. 
Thanks for having me. So, Alexandra, how is it that you got interested in privacy? So I started as an intellectual property attorney um, several years ago in San Francisco. And as I was working at the firm, was taking on more and more privacy work for startup companies and, and e-commerce companies and new media companies. This was kind of the beginning of the, the tech boom in San Francisco. And I started taking on more and more projects just because of an interest in what, what is this new thing called privacy? What are privacy statements? You know, what are some of these uh, startups trying to do and what are they going to do with all this data? How are they going to protect the data? How are they going to respect users' rights to the data? How are they going to market to these people? So it was really something that came across my desk when I was a junior associate of a law firm and I started taking more and more of that on because of an interest that I had and I became an expert along the way. But it was really um, being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, but privacy has uh, kind of gotten a life of its own. So I can see that you're also interested in technology just by virtue of the fact that that privacy and technology and security all kind of like our brother and sister, right? Well, that's right, exactly. And, you know, I, I always say that I'm pro-technology. I think there's a lot of fear around technology and, and especially in the privacy sphere I want to make sure that people understand that you can use technology mindfully and still respect your privacy rights. And, and when I work um, with companies, I'm, I'm trying to incorporate those types of privacy by design concepts as well. So I have an interest in technology. It's sort of hard not to have an interest in technology when you live in San Francisco at, at this point in time because it's, it's all around us. Um, it's, it's such a big part of the culture of San Francisco. So I would say I'm a technology lawyer. I'm also a privacy attorney, and I, I think that there's a, a good synergy between the two of those, and I try to find the common ground between what businesses are trying to accomplish through their technology and also how, how we can protect and maintain user privacy and security along the way. Right, and that's all that issue really goes to the um, the overall thoughts about privacy by design where we build into the architecture of technology and all these wonderful things that are coming out, building in privacy ahead of time and security ahead of time. I remember Ann Kovikian, who I'm sure you know was the commissioner, privacy commissioner of Canada. She's been on our show a bunch of times and she coined that, that phrase, privacy by design, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, we don't want to hold back technology. Technology is wonderful, but we just want to make sure that people are safe and have some sense of privacy and security while they're using these great, you know, new technologies, right? That's, that's exactly right. And I, I wrote a blog post a few years ago called Living by Design with Privacy by Design. And I think privacy by design is typically a concept that you see companies incorporating. So, so you make sure that you're incorporating privacy and security control throughout the life cycle of data, so data collection and data use and data storage. But from a consumer perspective, I think it's also interesting to think about how you can live your life by design, how you can incorporate these privacy by design concepts into the way you use technology. So by, by using tools and resources, um, listening to your show, taking a look at my blog so that you can be more aware of privacy issues and be more aware of um, areas where there may be 
choices that you can make, um, settings that you can put in place for privacy controls, for example, on social media. So how can you gain control over your personal information and incorporate that privacy by design concept in your day-to-day life? Yeah, and you know, I love, Alexandra, where you're talking about mindfulness in your book, and that is so important. I know yesterday, I mean, uh, last week, I just had a, a case that I settled, and so we had to give W-9s, and I, I noticed that um, some of the confidential stuff that was sent to me by the other attorney was not encrypted. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, I gave them a password that we could use to encrypt everything. And I thought, people are not mindful, you know. They're not mindful of what they're sending in emails and not encrypting data. So privacy by living, you know, or what you're talking about, privacy by design and living privacy by design is having that conscious level to think, okay, all the time before I send something, what's in here? Is something confidential? Is something private, like my social security number? Is that going to be available for anyone to see? Just little things like that that I think people, even law firms, don't even think about that. Have you noticed that as well? I have, you know, and it's and it's hard because there's so many things going on in our lives and we're so connected to technology and I think we get we get into this trap where we're not being mindful and we're 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 scrolling through our Twitter feed and we're looking on Facebook and we're not paying attention to what we're doing and we can we can lose a sense of control over the personal information that we're sharing. So I think we really have to opt in to that mindfulness mindset. We have to stop and take a breath and, and be more present when we're using technology, when we're, when we're online, um, using you know, all these wonderful social media platforms to, to connect with friends and family. How do we make sure that we keep that type of presence and mindfulness? And it, and it really just means being aware. It, it just means taking a moment to read a privacy policy or take a look at the privacy settings that are available before you you take an action. Yeah, and I noticed you had also talked in your book about multitasking and that's what so many of us do and it's such <laughs> it's such a dangerous thing to do when you're sending out important things. I know that something that was kind of confidential went from one of my clients to someone else and then, you know, they were very upset about it. Um, but they had sent it, you know, they were in a hurry and they didn't realize that that person was copied on it. And, um, and so that's happened. And I've had people text the wrong person, confidential stuff that they didn't want that person (laughs) to know. So when you're talking about slow down, be mindful, and it's, it's so easy to multitask nowadays, isn't it? It's, it is. Well, and they, you know, science has shown that multitasking is, is terrible for us. It, it taxes our brain, and, and we think we're getting all of these things done at the same time, but we're actually not. You know, we're not being as productive as we think we are when we're multitasking. Um, but it's tempting because we all have so many things on our plate, so many things that we're trying to accomplish, and we want to be productive. But I think if we can, if we can slow down, if we can try to do one thing at a time, if we can be mindful and use technology more intelligently, we're going to get more out of it, and we're not going to fall into those traps of oversharing or clicking on a link that's got some sort of, you know, malware or, or have some sort of phishing attack, um, you know, falling prey to some of those security issues 
um, that might happen if we're not being mindful. Right, right. And it, it, it is with when we're being bombarded with information, I think that's another thing. You know, people get up in the morning, first thing that they do is what? Look at their Facebook or look at their email. And, um, you know, I, I make it a point for myself to, to meditate every morning. <laughs> so that Good helps. for you. That's yeah, wonderful. I've been doing that since I don't even want to tell you how long since I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison way long time ago and I learned transcendental meditation but you know then I got away from it wasn't doing it enough but I've noticed with all the technology that it's even more important for me to go and do that 20 minutes before I take my shower you know I get up go to the bathroom get a glass of water and then sit down when it but of course I have to get up at five to do that (laughs) but you know, it really makes a huge difference, and then I can slow down because otherwise, I think it's really hard. We're we're just in that information age, and we are bombarded. So, um, let's talk a little bit about your current role as senior global privacy and data security counsel at Autodesk. So, what do you do? I am the privacy lead for Autodesk globally. So I um, sit in the legal department and I manage legal issues related to privacy and data security. So I'm looking at vendor contracts and policies, but I'm also developing a privacy program. So I'm responsible for the data governance efforts of the company. So how are we incorporating privacy by design into our operational program? So how do we make sure that we're developing our software products with privacy and security controls in mind. So I work with our engineers and our architects to make sure that the, the products that we're putting out into the market are um, have privacy by design and security controls embedded in them, um, a la Ann Kavukian. Um, also working with our government affairs team and keeping pace with you know what's going on from a compliance perspective and new regulations, but it's it's a comprehensive type of role. Um, I'm really excited about it. I I love the company. It's very creative, and we're we're doing some really interesting things with 3D printing and um, consumer applications, and and there's always something interesting to do. My my days are are very full, but they're also um, very interesting, and there's a lot of great privacy and data security challenges that I'm faced with every day. Wow, it sounds like a lot of fun, though, to be learning all these new technologies and how they can be used. Like that 3D printing is just amazing when you think that, you know, I've seen things on television and read about how they can do 3D printing for to create organs for your body, you know. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just amazing to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's fabulous. So that, that sounds like a very exciting job. Let's talk about some of the the challenges, though, that you have with technology. You know, I would think you have to be the mediator with everyone because everyone, you know, who's these engineers are are focused on the technology. They don't have the expertise that you have. So you have to probably negotiate with them to incorporate um, some of the important uh, protections in there as they're creating. That's right. So it's a lot of negotiating and influencing and and demonstrating the positive impacts of of privacy and security. So making the case for compliance is not just the negative of what are all the bad things that can happen if we get sued or if we're not in compliance with certain laws or we'll get fined, for example. But what are the positive kind of the upsides um, in terms of 
building customer trust in their relationship with our consumers so that they understand that Autodesk is a leader in privacy and security, just like we're a leader in 3D technology. Um, and then also that it's the right thing to do, that there, there are ways that we can incorporate these privacy and security things in the products or in our systems that are, are going to help the business succeed. So how can we make it a, a business solution as opposed to the lawyer saying, no, you can't do that or, or if that's not going to work with our compliance program. So I really try to work with and collaborate with the business teams to understand what they're trying to attain, what kind of information we need to make the, the product or service function, what type of analytics are we looking to get from our, our consumers, how can we make sure that we're being transparent and offering choices but at the end of the day, it's all about enabling the business to succeed. Yeah, and I would think that if they bring it home to like, okay, what if your kids are using this? Or what if your mother or your sister or your wife or husband is using this? How might it affect them, you know, bringing it home and using all of your persuasive skills to uh, help them to see that this is a value added to the product to to have it be secure and private because I yeah no one wants to hear about being compliance and all the laws they want to hear oh well you could be a hero you're creating a product that protects people <laughs> so that's right that's right I think that that concept of sort of stepping into the user's shoes is a is a fundamental concept of privacy by design so how do we make privacy the default setting how do we think about how these products and services are going to be used and viewed by the user and we and we put ourselves in that mindset so that we don't develop something in a vacuum but we actually think about what's going to be um, useful for the customer but what's their expectation are they going to be surprised if you collect a certain type of information without a notice so is it going to be something that's creepy or are, are users going to find this technology so seamless and wonderful and you're, they're going to trust the technology because of the way the privacy notice is, is written. Right, right. It would seem to me if marketing was smart that they would use that as a tool to say, hey, this is a value added. We do this more than any other company. We really protect your privacy and your security. I know that as, as an attorney myself and a mediator, I, that's, I, I say, hey, this is a better way to resolve disputes because it's private and it's confidential. And, you know, it's not in a public record. And, you know, like, what do you want? You know, do you want to protect your privacy and your confidentiality and your reputation and your dignity? So if, you know, if you turn it around like, hey, we're doing something even better than other companies are doing because we put a value on that. So I think that's a great marketing um, approach as well. That's right, and, and we've seen technology companies like Apple and Microsoft tout the, the privacy and security controls that, right. that they believe are in their products, and, and I, I, I do think it's working. I think that as a, as a tool as, you know, to, to be a differentiator in the market, consumers are getting more sophisticated, and they're expecting technology to accomplish a great deal of things, so, so they're looking for features and functionalities, and I think privacy and security is becoming one of those kind of table stakes for companies because it's, it needs to be a feature and functionality of the technology itself because customers are demanding it. Right, right. So, you know, when I know that you're interested in uh, women in privacy, and we've seen that this is an interesting field 
because um, there's a lot of women in the privacy arena, and, and they're not just all attorneys. You know, I mean, I'm thinking of Barb Lawler, who is with Intuit, who's been a friend of mine since she was at HP, and she's not an attorney, but she is a great leader in privacy. So what are your thoughts about women in privacy and, and the cybersecurity field? So I've I've grown up with my peer group um, of other women leaders in privacy. So for me, it's a great community of of friends that um, I've seen grow and I've seen take on leadership roles. You know, chief privacy officers or or other wonderful roles in legal departments of technology companies. So for me, it's 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 been a great opportunity, and I think. For women in technology, a privacy role is something that I think we're we're just good at. I think it's something that we we have these skills, like you said, of collaborating and negotiating, and we can we can translate a lot of the legal issues to our business clients, and then we can also translate these technology issues back, you know, and incorporate them into the privacy programs that we're developing. So. I'm definitely seeing that, the, and, and there's been several articles written about this, that, you know, privacy has a lot of female leaders, and, and there's um, not as much of a discrepancy between men and women in this particular field. So I think it's wonderful, and I participated in a lot of benchmarking groups um, and other organizations that are promoting women in this field. Cybersecurity is a little bit different. I think there's still some room and some opportunity for women to continue to succeed in that field. I think partially because it's, it's slightly more technical, the, the security side of kind of privacy versus security, we don't see that same sort of parity that we do in the privacy field. But I know that we're making some inroads there, and um, there are organizations like WISP, which is Women in Security and Privacy, which is a San Francisco-based um, organization. They do a lot of great events. The IEPP has a Women Leading Privacy group. Um, that also has a lot of technology and cybersecurity professionals. So I'm hopeful that we'll continue to see women in this field. And I certainly am doing everything I can to, to mentor young women who are looking to enter this, this field and uh, do everything I can to, to, to promote women. Because I honestly, being an attorney and working in privacy, I'm still excited about it. I find you know, value in, in what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I, I think it's a, it's a great career choice for anyone, but especially women. Yes, yes. And just so my audience knows, IAPP stands for International Association of Privacy Professionals, so that um, they can look at that. It's a nonprofit organization that I remember I went to one of their very first programs. There were only 50 of us there. And now we're like, what, like 4,000 members or something like that? It's, no, 20,000 members, but there were like almost 4,000 people at the global conference. So, yeah, this That's whole right. field That's is, right. yeah, this whole field's growing. And it's uh, it's a very exciting field, like you say. And I think the young women, especially, we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine. There's a lot of, um, you know, business people, a lot of women that are in engineering. So that's a great thing to add on, the privacy and security and cybersecurity and privacy. So it's great. So let's talk a little bit about um, the privacy guru. Tell us how you started that. So I started the Privacy Guru as a, a as a website and a blogging platform, and 
you know, I was looking at for a way to have more direct outreach to consumers. So I, I really enjoy the work that I do advocating for companies and doing the legal work at Autodesk um, and the companies that I've worked for before then. But I, I felt the, the desire to have a broader base to communicate about privacy topics. I was seeing that there are, there are a lot of wonderful commentators, there are a lot of wonderful academics writing about privacy issues, but I didn't see a lot of people who were drilling down to some of the basic concepts about privacy and data security and, and formulating it in a way that was really digestible to non-attorneys or non-academics or non-technology people. So I, I founded the Privacy Guru, um, and I have my website and my blog at, at www.privacyguru.com, and it's meant to spread the message of privacy and, and to initiate a conversation about privacy to spark people's curiosity about privacy. So it was really a, a way for me to be entrepreneurial, to, to take on more of a creative outlet, something where I could write and where I could speak and where I could work with wonderful illustrators and designers and put this ebook together and the, the memes and the illustrations that I have on, on the website. It's a way for me to connect with consumers so that I'm so passionate about privacy, I wanted to get other people as excited about privacy as I am. Yeah, I really enjoyed your book because of the images and, you know, the memes and everything. I think it is... Um, easily, you know, it's consumer friendly, as opposed to a lot of the stuff that we read as lawyers on this, you know, these scholarly articles and white papers and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we really do need consumers to be aware and have some, um, you know, mindfulness as we were talking about. So let me just ask you about what you think people can do to incorporate mindfulness into our use of technology. How can we really do that at a, at a very simple level? So I have a couple of suggestions. One of them is to, to try to incorporate more mindfulness in your day-to-day -day practice of living in the way that you interact with technology. So try not to, to be multitasking. Try to do one thing at a time. Try to take a moment. Um, I have a, a blog and a, and a meme called See Clearly, so stop, evaluate, enter. So before you post that, you know, photo on Facebook, before you submit some information um, or you download an application, a mobile application, take a minute to look at what it is that the company is asking you for. What kind of information are you being asked to submit? And if you can see clearly, if you can use some mindfulness techniques, you may not get into trouble. You may not um, overshare. You may not send your information to a, a company that's not going to protect your information properly. Well, so for me... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that makes so much sense. And also, don't do something that you're going to be embarrassed about later, right? You know, if you don't that's stop and think, you might put something up that you would really regret later. That's right. And I think there's, you know, I have a, 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 some blogs and, and a meme about privacy is okay. I mean, I think there's so much pressure, especially for, for younger um, a younger audience to put everything in their life online and you, you have fear of missing out or you have this, 
this this concept that it doesn't happen if you don't Instagram it or you don't post something on social media about it. And I think it's 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 not the way I choose to live my life. Um, I'm much more of a private person. I'm much more discriminating in what I put up um, for public consumption. But I, I think it's 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 difficult because we have this societal pressure to use technology in that way and to to make everything public where it's okay to be private. It's okay not to be on social media at all. You know, I have friends yes. who don't who don't participate in social media and I applaud them for that choice. I have friends who don't check emails over the weekend or go on a digital detox and I applaud them for that. I think setting boundaries and doing what feels right to you, those kind of personal values, it's really important to stay true to those and not not fall victim or 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 feel that because everybody's sharing everything that that's the only way to make friends or that's the only way to live your life right and that is a perfect way to end we are just out of time so just give your website again and it's time to go it's www.theprivacyguru.com and you can also follow me on twitter at share mindfully thank you so much alexander ross we will stay in touch and you'll come back again you have a great thank day thank you so much okay Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 